A reading from Bhagavad Gita, chapter 6, verse 6. Bandaratmatmanastasya yenatmai vatmanachita anatmanastishatutve vartetatmai vishatugat. For him who has conquered the mind, the mind is the best of friends, but for one who has failed to do so, his mind will remain the greatest enemy. Report. The purpose of practicing Eightfold Yoga is to control the mind in order to make it a friend in discharging the human mission. Unless the mind is controlled, the practice of yoga for show is simply a waste of time. One who cannot control his mind lives always with the greatest enemy, and thus his life and his mission are spoiled. The constitutional position of the living entity is to carry out the order of the superior. As long as one's mind remains an unconquered enemy, one has to serve the dictations of lust, anger, avarice, illusion, etc. But when the mind is conquered, one voluntarily agrees to abide by the dictation of the personality of Godhead, who is situated in the heart of everyone else, Paramatma. Real yoga practice entails meeting the Paramatma within the heart and then following his dictation. For one who takes to Krishna consciousness directly, perfect surrender to dictation of the Lord follows automatically. Mokam karoti vachalam mangam langai tegirim yaki pantamam bande siguru dilataminam omagana timarandasya gananjala shalakaya chakshuramiritam yena tasamai shiguru so yesterday we mentioned about how to treat the mad mind. What is expert treatment for the mad mind? That is hearing and chanting. Chanting Hare Krishna, hearing about Krishna, hearing about his activities. And what is the diet for our disease of material existence? Prasadam. Yes, at the restaurant. I think you got some nice cake yesterday too. It was somebody's birthday. Oh, your birthday. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Your birthday yesterday. Wow. Okay, so then we got the diet yesterday. We got the appropriate diet. Because if you're sick, all of everybody in this world is actually sick. We have a material disease. It's called Hridarog, a, a disease of the heart, heart disease. And that is what happens if our mind is our enemy. Then... Are, we become our own worst enemy, and the enemy is actually when our heart, when our mind becomes full of lust, anger, greed, illusion, madness, and envy. So there has to be a balance. Uh, later in this chapter, Krishna says, "He who is regulated in his habits of eating, sleeping, recreation, and work can mitigate all material pains." by practicing yoga system. So what this means is we have to come to the mode of goodness. Goodness, one word, one word can explain what it means to be in the mode of goodness. The same word can be used to explain um, Ayurvedic medicine in one word, balance. In Ayurvedic medicine, you want to balance the doses in the body. In the mode of goodness, the modes are balanced. 
So when we're in goodness, there might be a little passion and ignorance, but they're under control. They don't control you. That's what it means to be in the mode of goodness. So Prabhupada explains what this means in another purport. If you want to be a yogi at home, so not all of us can go and live in the temple in the ashram. Our ashram is in our home. So if you want to be a yogi at home, then you cannot work hard for a living and be a yogi. You should eat moderately, gratify the senses moderately. Work should be anxietyless. You should not dream more and you should not be awake at night. This Prabhupada says, this is if you want to be a yogi at home. So Prabhupada was lecturing on the verse about regulation in Los Angeles in the early 70s and one um, child, eight years old child, raised his hand after the lecture and asked Shri Prabhupada, you said if you eat too much you will pay, but what about the devotee, if he eats too much prasadam? And so Prabhupada asked the devotee, you want this little boy, you want to eat more? And the boy said, I just want to know about it. So Prabhupada said, you think you're eating more? There's medical advice. You can eat more. Medical advice, there's two kinds of mistakes in eating. Overeating and undereating. So undereating mistake for an old man is very good. And overeating mistake for boys is very good. So you can overeat. I cannot, Prabhupada said. So then the young boy raised his hand and he said, so how about Tamal Krishna Maharaj and Vishnu Jan Maharaj? Can they eat more? I said, no, you, he can, they cannot, you can't. You can eat as much as you like. So Prahlad Maharaj, a little five-year-old boy, he was preaching to his father who was, had a demonic mentality. He said, my dear father, please give up your demonic mentality. Do not discriminate in your heart between enemies and friends. Make your mind equipoised toward everyone. Except for the uncontrolled and misguided mind, there is no enemy in this world. When one sees everyone in the platform of equality, one comes to the position of worshipping the Lord perfectly. So we have met the enemy, the enemy is us, but our greatest enemy can also be our greatest friend. So when our mind is uncontrolled, then it is our enemy, and then it listens to calm, lust, anger, greed, illusion, madness, and envy. So Arjuna, later on in this chapter, compared the mind to the wind. Wind is one of our grooves. We can learn from the wind. We can learn some lesson. What can we learn from the wind? When the wind is blowing in many directions at once, the atmosphere becomes agitated. So similarly, if the mind is constantly going in one direction, being attracted, another direction, being repelled, by material objects, there will be such a mental disturbance you cannot think about the absolute truth or the spiritual path. So we have to learn from the blowing wind the art of moving through this world with detachment. Welcome. So when the wind goes over a beautiful rose garden, it picks up a beautiful scent, carries it for some time, and then drops it. And when the wind goes over the garbage dump, it picks up a terrible smell, carries it for some time, and then drops it. So we go through life. We pick up happiness. We carry it for some time, and then we drop it. 
and distress. We carry, we, we sometimes carry distress in our lives and we pick it up, carry it for some time, but then we should drop it. We shouldn't try to hold on to happiness or, or, or even distress. Sometimes people get joy out of talking about their distress to others. You should let go of that too. You should not try to hold on to your distress or your depressed condition. We have to let go. We have to learn from the wind how to be detached. So how do we lose control? The first thing that happens is karma or lust. And when our lust, we want things so much, but when our lust is not fulfilled, we become angry. And when our anger, after anger, what, what comes next is greed. We want more and more. We're never satisfied with what we have. So there was one very rich man who, who died many years ago. He was uh, J. Paul Getty. And somebody once asked him, what is your philosophy? And he said in one word what his philosophy was, more. He's a billionaire. He had enough. He should be satisfied having so many billions. But no, he wanted more. So this is the problem. This is greed, and that's the problem with the world today. This is a symptom of our modern society, that problems of greed for wealth. So when we have greed for money, we experience great fear, anxiety, and delusion. And when we try to earn it, when we get it, when we increase it, try to protect it, we spend it, we lose it, and try to enjoy it. All these things are there. So therefore, uh, I was, uh, somebody told me here in Ireland, there was, he was out on the street distributing our Bhagavad Gita books. He met one man, in, and he said, this man said to him, the happiest day of my life was when I bought my boat. Because here in Ireland, this is one of the big enjoyments that people go on their boats around because there's lots of rivers and lakes. So people enjoy their boats. But then the man said, but then the happiest day of my life was when I sold my boat. Because it was so much trouble to maintain. It was more trouble to maintain than, to, than I got enjoyment out of it. So this is the story of life in this material world. Uh, these uh, material things cannot make us happy. Now, what, uh, yes, I would like to share with you one uh, American Indian story. Not story, but it's like a mora, moral story. Uh, you probably, some devotees, you have heard this before, that in the heart there are two dogs fighting, right? The good dog and the bad dog. The material the spiritual dog and the material dog. So which dog is going to win the fight? The one you feed the most. If we feed our material dog, then we will be controlled by lust, anger, greed, illusion. And what do we feed the material dog? And on the cell phone the whole day? Uh, internet? And uh, so many things we can feed the material dog. Food not offered to Krishna. And the spiritual dog, we feed Bhagavad Gita. We need spiritual food here. So that's good. You all came here today to feed your spiritual dog. It's going in your spiritual bank account. 
So we can use all of these things which are obstacles. We can even use lust in the service of Krishna. We can make our mind our friend by using these very things that bring us down. We can use them in a spiritual way. How can you use lust? So Naratam Das Thakur has said, Kama Krishna Marpane. We use our lust for serving Krishna. Just like we're lusty to do something for our sense enjoyment, the same desire can be used for serving Krishna. Uh, Srila Prabhupada gave his own example, just like we are writing books whole night. So for an old man like me, it's, it's tedious, it's difficult, but we're doing it for Krishna. So another author may be writing the whole night for some sex literature. So this labor, his labor and my labor is the same, but the result is different. The result is different. I'm doing it for Krishna, so therefore there will be purification. And the other one is going down. There are three gates to hell, lust, anger, and greed. And so he's going through one of those doors, and he won't be very happy. So we can use our lust, we can have children for Krishna also, that's a very nice thing to do. Lust, anger, Hanuman used his anger. You can be angry if somebody attacks the devotees, you can protect them. Greed, you can be greedy for service to Krishna. You can be greedy to chant more, to hear more, to read Srimad Bhagavatam. There is one 16-year-old girl in Denmark, devotee, She's greedy to read Bhagavatam. One day she read seven hours, her mother told me. She didn't come to the temple because she was reading Srimad Bhagavatam. Seven hours. And she, she, her strongest desire is to live one year in the ashram, but there's no ashram in Denmark. She can't live, but anyway, I'm sure her desire will be fulfilled. She's greedy for association with devotees. So our greed we can put there. Greedy for advancement, spiritual life, greedy for chanting Hare Krishna, greedy for association with devotees. How do you use illusion, moha, in the service of Krishna? That without seeing the devotee, without being with the devotees, you feel a void in your life. You feel a void. Just like Lord Chaitanya says in his prayers, Govinda virahayanami, shinjayitam jagatsaram, the whole world appears void in the absence of Krishna because I cannot see you. So, how do we get protection from these six enemies? Yesterday I was talking about one mark on Lord Chaitanya's lotus feet, the sacrificial altar. So today we'll talk about another mark on Lord Chaitanya's lotus feet, the chakra, the disc. It is brilliant like the sun. So if you meditate on the disc on Lord Chaitanya's lotus feet, Nityananda's also, then this will cut down your six enemies, lust, anger, greed, illusion, and envy, and madness. So if you take, if you chant Hare Krishna and you surrender to Krishna, what results can you, can you expect to get? First result, protection from anxiety over future maintenance. The devotees have no anxiety what will happen next, where they will stay, what they will eat, because they are maintained by the Lord. He says, I protect what you have, and I give you what you lack, he says in Bhagavad Gita. So in, in the early days in San Francisco Temple in 1967, they had big trouble paying the rent. They didn't have money. 
So what they would do, they would just go out on Harinam and chant and pray. So one time they went out on Harinam, they had to pay the rent for the next day $400 or else they would be kicked out from the temple. So they went out on Harinam and one man came with an envelope, gave it to them, and inside was $400 to pay the rent. And another time, this was another time they, had, they didn't have money to pay the rent and they went out on the street and they were chanting Hare Krishna and all of a sudden there were $100 bills floating down the street in the wind. <laughs> and they were just picking up the money and so they could pay the rent. So these things, have, miracles happen on when you chant the holy name on Harinam. So you get protection from worry, anxiety about future maintenance. You get protection from falling away from the spiritual path. There are stories of devotees who did fall away from the spiritual path. One devotee was named Bharat Maharaj. He became attached to a baby deer and he was so attached the time of death, he was thinking of the deer. And what happens when you die thinking of a deer? You become a deer in your next life. But Krishna protected him because he remembered his previous life as a devotee. And so next birth he was very careful and he took good association and he went back to Godhead. So protection from falling away from the spiritual path, I think I told this story before about, I think again it was somebody in Ireland who joined our temple and he was feeling, oh, this is really too much austerity. I have to get up at 3.30 in the morning, go to Mangal Arti. And, and in the old days, there was no toilet paper in the temples also. So, and there's no toilet paper here. Um, yes. And so he left the temple, got a job, night shift. He was... And the night shift, so one morning at two in the morning, he was thinking, this is worse than when I was a devotee. And then he was working in a paper factory, these big, big, he had huge boxes to transport on these big um, luggage carriers. And, one, and he, he, was, he punctured one box and out on his head rolled, all these rolls of toilet paper <laughs> fell on his head. Okay, I'm going back. <laughs> so Krishna sometimes brings devotees back <laughs> in, in different ways. And so he brought that devotee back. So protection from falling away. Protection from maya. Protection from maya. Uh, maya means what is not, what is the illusion that we can be happy in this world. So how can we protect, be protected from Maya by chanting the holy name? Yesterday was Kirtan Day. And protection from so many things are attacking us like hunger, thirst. When, when Pariksit Maharaj heard Srimad Bhagavatam, he was not eating or sleeping or drinking water for seven days and nights. And he said, I'm not feeling hungry because I'm so satisfied hearing the holy name. So this happened, um, I had personal experience when I was in Nepal at a Vaishnavi retreat. How you can go beyond hunger and thirst. Uh, there were 150 ladies, they were having, they started a kirtan maybe 7 o'clock at night. And there were just 150 ladies chanting and dancing very wildly. And 
But one lady was not, she didn't join the group, she was hungry. And she tried to tell them, you know, it's time for Prasadam, 7.30, you know, Prasadam time, yes. Nobody would listen, they were just in ecstasy chanting and dancing. So 8.30 came, she went, 8.30, <laughs> Prasadam, yes. <laughs> Nobody paid attention to her. So then 9.30 she went and she would say, you know, really, this is too much, I'm very hungry, Prasadam. Nobody listened. So she decided, okay, let me try. She joined them and she forgot about eating too. So they, the kirtan went on until 10.15 and everybody was so happy and she was happy too. But that was her realization, she told us on the last day, that you can conquer over hunger by chanting Hare Krishna and dancing. So yes, so what other protection? We heard about ways you're protected by chanting, protection from worry, anxiety over future maintenance, protection from fall down, from the spiritual path, protection from maya, protection from anarthas or bad qualities also. Uh, when you chant Hare Krishna, all your bad qualities get cleaned out because Chaitadarpanamajan, the Lord is cleaning the heart. So, this is another way we'll be protected if we surrender and chant and do devotional service. So, the last protection, um, there are many actually, but I'll, I'll only telling you five, is protection from sinful desires. We have desires to do things which are not, which are detrimental for our spiritual advancement. So, by chanting, then the seed of sinful desires is removed. And this is not possible by other processes. Right. So, and you get protection from danger also. Um, Indudumna Swami uh, was on an airplane traveling from Durban, Africa, to another city. And they were trying to land in uh, one, another city. And every time they were trying to land, the plane would be violently shaken, and they couldn't land. And so as soon as this happened, Maharaj was shouting, Krishna, Krishna, Hare Krishna, when the plane was being shaken violently. And some others on the plane were saying, Jesus, Jesus. And the Muslims were going, Allah, Allah. And then they went back, the plane went back up, it aborted the landing. And one, the person next to Maharaj said, Swamiji, I am a scientist. I do not believe in all these things. I do not believe in this chanting. Then the plane went down again, started shaking. The scientist was getting sick, went back up. And the scientist said, what was that you were saying? <laughs> and Maharaj said, Hare Krishna. No, the whole thing, the whole thing. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. The pilot made an announcement, okay, we're going to try one more time to land. If, it, if we are unsuccessful, we'll go back to where we came from. And so again, the plane went down, it was shaking, everybody was chanting, the scientist was chanting, and the plane landed. And so Maharaj said to the scientist, now do you believe? And the scientist said, maybe. <laughs> the Maharaj said, here's my card, if you have any questions. <laughs> You can contact me. So the, we will be protected from danger. So you may have the question, when does the protection start? Ninth canto, fourth chapter, there is a purport where Prabhupada says that this protection is offered to a devotee 
even from the very beginning of his devotional service. When Sibni begins devotional service, he's immediately protected by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Confirmed in Gita, Ahantong, Sarvapapa, Epiok, Moksha Yashami Mashicha, that is, end of Bhagavad Gita, 1866. I will, if you surrender to me, I'll protect you from all sinful reactions. Do not fear. So it's very difficult to control the restless mind. But if we offer our mind to Krishna, let him take control, he'll surely help us. So I'll end with one verse from Chaitanya Charitamrita, which is very helpful when you're in times of difficulty. Things that are very difficult to do become easy to execute if one somehow or other remembers Lord Chaitanya. But if one does not remember him, even easy things become very difficult. To this Lord Chaitanya, I offer my respectful obeisances. So we'll stop here. If there's any questions you can ask at this time. The sentence that you said at the end of the Bhagavad Gita reading, I'm wondering if yeah. you could read it again because... The, oh, yeah, that's the last... 1866 is a verse from Bhagavad Gita that um, Krishna says, Give up all varieties of religion and surrender to me, and I will protect you from all sinful reactions. Do not fear. That was what it was. It's 1866, you can look it up. It's a very famous verse that Prabhupada used to quote and translate in hundreds of different ways, many different ways. Give up all your manufactured ideas and surrender to me. Give up all your ideas how to protect yourself and let me protect you. Surrender to me and I'll give you protection. So uh, if a very rich man says, uh, don't worry for money anymore. I will take care of you. Then you'll feel really good. I don't know who the rich man. Bill Gates. He's a rich man, right? Famous. Who's a Who's a rich man in Ar in Ireland? That Ryan Airlines. <laughs> Ryan. Yeah. If, he, if Mr. Ryan says, "Don't worry, I'll take care of you financially." then you, you'll feel, well, no worries. So Krishna is saying that, and he's the richest in, in the whole creation. And not only the richest, full of knowledge, full of renunciation, most beautiful, most knowledgeable, strongest. So if he says, I'll protect you, then we should have no fear and no worries. But he wants us to surrender to him and love him and do things with devotion. And he'll protect us. And if we find it hard to? If we find it hard to, yes. It is difficult because we have been uh, not surrendering for billions of lifetimes. Uh, everybody finds it hard to change. But just if we just try to do it, he'll see our effort. He'll see our effort. There's one example Prabhupada gives, there's a verse in Gita where 
Krishna says, one who knows my birth and activities will not come back to this material world, one who understands my birth and activities. And Srila Prabhupada lecturing on that verse says, even if you don't understand Krishna's birth and activities, you just try to understand Krishna's birth and activities, then you will get liberation. So our success will be in our attempt. And our try even Prabhupada said, I'm trying to be a devotee. Well, Prabhupada can say that, so <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> we're, we're trying to be devotees. We're trying to serve devotees. We're trying to, to be very grateful, as we said yesterday. If you're grateful, it helps. Then you appreciate what you have. You don't think about what you don't have. You have to be positive about yourself, too, and love yourself and appreciate yourself that, yes, I'm, I'm trying. Encourage yourself. Encourage yourself to try for Krishna in this life. Encourage yourself. Encourage others. Be grateful for what you have. Yeah, we're all trying. I've been trying for almost 50 years now. And I'm, I'm still trying. The, the main thing is not to give up trying. Just don't give up. Don't think it's hopeless. But just, you, you just have a few years in this life to live. So, and it's not like so many hundreds of years, and, and Lord Chaitanya has made it so easy. No rules, regulations, you can chant anytime, anywhere. And uh, just try, try to contact Krishna when you chant. Try to remember Krishna during your day. And just by that trying, that will get you Krishna. Just by trying. It is difficult, it's not easy. But if you do any other process, you'll find it much more difficult. You try to do Ashtanga Yoga, I mean, real perfection in yoga, not what we see here today. And, and it's much more difficult to follow the other paths in personal meditation against our nature. Right. So, any other questions? Mm-hmm. Before about uh, non-devotees, they should not stay awake at night. Yeah, Prabhupada said. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, the verse that was referring to is uh, one who is regulated in his habits of eating, sleeping, work, and recreation can stop all pains in this world. So if you're awake at night, then, then you're not sleeping enough. You're not balanced in your sleeping. And that will cause a disturbance to the rest of your life, to your work, to your recreation, and, uh, eat, and to your eating. Yeah, so sleep is, is very important. It's one of the factors for intelligence, according to Srimad Bhagavatam. You must have enough sleep for your intelligence to work properly. So that was not to be awake at night. Yes, everything in moderation, yeah. And then you'll be healthy and happy. Yeah, that's the mode of goodness, when you can actually have a balance in your life. And that's yoga. 
We're also practicing yoga. Bhakti yoga includes all the other yogas. So this is how you practice. Uh, it's one of the uh, purposes of Ashtanga yoga also. One of the practices is to be regulated in your eating, sleeping, work, and recreation. And what was... Somebody asked Prabhupada the question, what's the recreation of the yogis? And he said, walking. Because they're in their asanas the whole day, right? And so when they get up and walk, that's their recreation. But Prabhupada did that. He was having his morning walks every day and discussing philosophy while he was walking. So that was really good. Mm-hmm. Say that one of the ways to go to hell is anger. Yeah, lust, anger, greed. Yeah. So, if I if I'm not wrong, I have heard that some of the rishis in earlier yugas they were angry. You know, like the example of Ma Amrish Maharaj. Nirvasa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and he got a reaction for his anger too. <laughs> the Sri was chasing him because of his anger. So that ang that kind of anger was not good. He was angry angry with the devotee. He was angry with Mahajamarish. So, and that's described in Bhagavatam, actually in the 11th canto, that these, these some of these sages and rishis, they, they're elevated because they practice Ashtanga Yoga, but they are not advanced in Krishna consciousness. So it's one verse says, they drown in small puddles of anger. So that's what happened to Tabasa. He drowned in a puddle of anger. And he was punished because his anger was direct, misdirected at a, at a pure devotee. Uh, he saw, oh, he's only a Kshatriya, I'm a yogi, I'm a brahmana. He thought he could be angry. Yeah, he lost control. He was not in the mode of goodness. Actually, he's an expansion of Lord Shiva. So that's, um, he was, his father was actually, I mean, his father was Atri Muni, but he, he was given a benediction by Lord Shiva to have Durvasa as his son. Three, he, he actually got a benediction from Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. So he had three children who were expansions of the three demigods. The, the son of Brahma was um, Soma, the moon. Son of Shiva was Durvasa, and the son of Vishnu was Dattatriya, Muni. Yeah, so this kind of anger is not good. Don't be angry with a devotee. Or you will get some quick karma, quick reaction. What happened to you? Somebody was telling me, yeah, no, they were, I heard in one class just a few days ago in Denmark, there was one very rich Russian businessman. One devotee came to him to, he was selling books door to door and this man got angry and he beat the devotee and the devotee was on this, lying on the ground the devotee got up and said I'm so sorry I must have done something to make you angry and, he, and, he, and then he left that man the next day the man's business failed his car was burnt by some miscreants his wife divorced him <laughs> And he became a beggar on the streets. So he met some devotees on the street and told him the story. And, and he said, I, I want to meet that devotee and, oh, and apologize to him. 
but so far he hasn't met that devotee yet. But so be careful. <laughs> Don't mess with devotees. Devotee didn't retaliate, but Krishna couldn't tolerate what that man did. So yeah. So Durvasa, same thing. He was he he could he was going to lose his life. Surishan Chakra was after him, and nobody could protect him, not even Vishnu. He had to surrender at the lotus feet of Maharajambarish and beg forgiveness for his offense. And then Amrish prayed to Sudarshan, please. Amrish was such a devotee. He prayed, if I have done any good activities, you take them and give to this Brahmin and free him from this burning. Let him be free. So that's, that was the mentality of the devotee. Even though he was wronged by Durvasa, he was praying for him, for his benefit. So, yeah, when you're with devotees, respect them, serve them, appreciate them, be grateful to them. That's what we need to do. Can you gift your anger to Krishna? <laughs> well, if you want to be angry with someone, um, yeah, be angry with Krishna. Yeah. It's better um, than being angry with his devotee. No, but giving your anger to Krishna means that you use your anger in a constructive way. Now, how to do that, if you see the devotees are on the street and somebody is attacking the devotees, then you can be angry with that person and protect the devotees. That's how you can use your anger. If he goes to court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bhagavad Gita in court, can I say? Sure. I can't do this. Exactly. This is my religion. Can I do this? Yeah, you would say, well, this was in self-defense. You know, that's... This person was attacking. Yeah, in self-defense. Self-defense. You can say I was protecting. They were attacking and this was... We were acting in self-defense. Because we're not nonviolent. We're not nonviolent. The whole Gita. Arjuna was preaching nonviolence and Krishna was saying, no, you have to fight. And so he's another example of using anger in the service of Krishna. He fought the battle of Kurukshetra and won. Won the battle. But when you're out there fighting, you're angry. Without being angry, you can't just fight and say, okay, I'm just, yeah, anyway, I don't know, I'm not a fighter, but you get, you're, you get angry out there. I can't hear you. Can you come closer? Right. Envy gets in the way. That's good if you can see the envy getting in the way. Then you can pray to Krishna, oh, just see this envy, it's coming in my heart, please remove this envy so I can peacefully serve the devotees. You can say some prayers. There's one prayer by Prahlad Maharaj, 5th Canto, 18th chapter. May all the envious people be pacified and let them, let them engage in devotional service because that way 
they will help each other. So you can say prayers like that. That's in fifth canto, eighteenth chapter. Prahlad Maharaj's prayers. Yes, and we have we are certainly victims of envy. So and and but uh, in order to rise above it, it's good to identify it first. It's good to identify it and then try to do the opposite. <laughs> Yeah, usually. Yeah, usually what we see in others. If you pick up a mirror, you'll you'll see. Oh, is that in me? Is that why I'm seeing it in others? Yeah, usually what we see in others is our problem. Atma atma jagat. That how we see the world is through our problems we, that we project our own problems on others. And say before you judge somebody, ask yourself the question, is, is that my problem? Do I have this envy? That's why I'm seeing it? <laughs> and what am I going to do about it in myself? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a rough one. But we need to be honest with Krishna and pray to Krishna and say, yes, this is, this is my problem. Please help me to become non-envious. And not being non-envious, that's the first qualification to hear Srimad Bhagavatam. It's for those who are non-envious. Nirmatsaranam satam. Those who are non-envious, they can hear Srimad Bhagavatam. Yeah. Any other questions? Yes. It's just another, another uh, going back to the point about anger. Anger. And you know, the examples are, are, are June and Hanuman. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're real noble anger, but I mean, maybe I just wanted to ask about this. Uh, like in my own situation, I would say that 99% of the times that I've been anger hasn't been that kind of mood. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're talking. The mind is the enemy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so it's more safer to assume that it's not a just anger. Right. And so, what do you do when when the, the Improper anger comes out. Bhishma has a remedy for that in, in Bhagavatam purport. And he says the remedy for anger, the counteraction for anger is forgiveness. We have to forgive because we're angry because somebody's doing something that we don't like, we don't appreciate. So we have to forgive them for that. And if you want to know how to forgive, go online and see the seminar by Mahatma Prabhu. He has a really good seminar, How to Forgive. Everything's online these days. You do not have to suffer alone with your anger. <laughs> you can go online and get help. <laughs> yes. Mahatma Prabhu, he has a great seminar on anger, on forgiveness. There's another one, forgiveness, Radhika Raman, I was just listening to us on forgiveness. Yeah, Radhika Raman. Okay. Yeah. There are certain triggers to anger and you have you can look for the triggers. What causes you to get angry? If somebody doesn't come up to your standard, if you know, you have an idea of perfection, they don't meet it and, or your expectations are not fulfilled. <laughs> there are different triggers. So yeah, forgiveness. 
find that the ones that yeah, I don't sleep enough or you know, mm. I haven't chanted properly that morning or you know, all those kind of things kick in and, and then I, you know, the anger would come out. Then. Yeah, exactly. If, you, if you're not uh, fixed enough on your, in your sadhana, then that can affect the rest of your day. If you don't start out with a strong spiritual sadhana in the morning, then your whole day will be affected and the other roads will come out. <laughs> they, they may come out and embarrass us. That this, these are the challenges of being a devotee. These are the challenges, but at least we're, we're seeing it. At least we're identifying it and trying to work with it. We're trying to improve. And realize it's a, it's our it's a problem. So that's good. At the same time, we have to chant attentively. We have to pull out the weeds in the heart. There's two things. To um, there's the negative side. There's the weeds in the heart. We have to take out. And then there's the positive side. To ch chant and hear attentively. So both both go on in our lives. Avoid the ten fences, Jan Hare Krishna. Okay? Jaya Gurishya Kalpa Hare Krishna.